Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, the official podcast of the Knoxville Ice Bears of the Southern Professional Hockey League. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you being a part of the podcast this week. Thank you so much for checking it out. Please hit that subscribe button, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And I certainly hope you'll join us for the entirety of the season, the 20th season for the Knoxville Ice Bears and the 18th in the SPHL. And this podcast is made possible by Field Pass Hockey. Fieldpasshockey.com is where you can go for all of your minor league hockey needs. Whether you want to keep up to date with everything in the SPHL, keep up with former Ice Bears in the ECHL, or all the way up to the AHL, they cover it all when it comes to minor league hockey. Field Pass Hockey is where you need to go. You can connect with them on social media, follow them on YouTube, and download their app on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play. They will have you covered. It's Field Pass Hockey. On the first episode of the podcast, you're going to hear from Ice Bears head coach Jeff Carr. He's going to join me for the entire episode today discussing the recruiting process, recapping free agent camp. The Ice Bears just held their free agent showcase at the Knoxville Civic Coliseum this past weekend. One player from that free agent camp did sign a PTO coming out of the weekend. You'll hear more info on that. The overall process of getting started for the upcoming season, coaching philosophies, and what the team is going to look like this year. The Ice Bears begin training camp coming up in a little more than a week. Coach Carr is going to dissect all of that and discuss what that team is going to look like as he gets ready to begin his fifth season in Knoxville. Again, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Be sure to make sure that all of your Ice Bears friends know about the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Coming up, Ice Bears head coach Jeff Carr. We're going to break down everything from the past weekend and look ahead to the start of the season on the other side, right here on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Welcome back to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, the official podcast of the Knoxville Ice Bears, brought to you by Field Pass Hockey. Get in the game with Field Pass Hockey. You can join their team, download their app, and so much more. They cover the SPHL, the ECHL, and the AHL, all levels of minor league hockey. They have it for you at Field Pass Hockey. Check out their website at fieldpasshockey.com or download their app on the App Store or on Google Play. Happy to be joined now by Ice Bears head coach, Jeff Carr. Jeff, always appreciate the time. Is it hard to believe that you're going into year five here in Knoxville? It is. It felt like a year or two and then blinked. And obviously since 2020, I feel like it's just the, the last two years have have flown by. But uh, just really, really excited about the team that we're putting together right now. And um, I think just, I guess, going in late from last year and now coming right back, it was a, it was a quicker off season. So we're excited to be back. What has this offseason been like for you as a head coach? I think the biggest thing for was knowing that how inflated the um, the league was. I mean, I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole of COVID, but moving past that and hopefully everything being back with full stands and 
all of that type of stuff, you kind of moved that in the, I guess, the backdrop and went back to some normal stuff. And then you realize the recruiting and the recruiting changed a ton because Division One, Division Three, they had the the one-time transfer rule. Seniors were allowed another senior year, so very, very few players available. As last year was the exact opposite. So few teams were playing around the country and around the world that there was uh, an overinflation of some really quality players. Clearly, our team had, I believe, I think 19 out of our guys are now in the American League or the IHL or the Europe or the AHL. So. Um, to answer your question, I guess uh, straightforward was the, the recruiting changed everything that I've seen in the last five years because of the transfer and the double seniors, and it's just something we're going to have to navigate through, and I think we've done a good job. Yeah, that's been something that's a little different, I think, in college hockey as opposed to other sports because it was around March 2020 when everything starts getting canceled. A lot of sports either get canceled totally or get delayed. The NCAA doesn't have spring or winter sports championships there's no frozen four there's no division three tournament so then we get to the fall a lot of college sports are picking up but several division three hockey conferences elected not to have a 2020 2021 season including the suniac we'll get more on that in a second as you just recently signed somebody coming out of that conference so there was no division three ncaa hockey tournament this past year that, that dynamic has been really different when it comes to recruiting college hockey players, hasn't it? Yeah, not only college, but the NHL recruiting you know, guys and draft picks and um, the development years, It's guys need games, right? So for us, it's the same thing where well, we've noticed a trend where a lot of guys will get 10 or 12 points per year and they'll be a role player and then they have on their elite prospects, maybe they played only six games their senior year last year in Division Three, but they have five points. So do they have just a really good senior year and they got it and they've matured and grown and they're a point of game guy or was that kind of an outlier and after 25 games maybe they wouldn't have stayed at that uh, that same ratio. So uh, you can imagine the, the difference of what angles you have to take and you, you got to rely on obviously the coaches that you trust and the scouts and the agents that that truly send you and know hockey and their players and are in tune with it. If they don't really know their players or have watched them live, um, they sometimes you can. It's really tough to know where I guess and what angle you have to take. But the guys that you trust, they usually stray you the good way, and that's what we did. I just focused on the 2025 people that we talk to every year and um, them kind of handpicking and, and you know putting us in the right direction for recruits. The Ice Bears just hosted their free agent showcase, about two dozen players making the trip to Knoxville to try out for a roster spot. What were some of your biggest takeaways from the free agent camp? Well, camps usually 25 to 40 guys, and they, the level play is it's such a big gap. And this camp, I didn't feel like that at all. I felt there was maybe two or three guys that weren't at the pace, but I felt there was 15 guys that can actually play at a decent pace. And then we located five to seven guys that we know for sure will be in the federal league and um, you know have a chance to be called up at some point in this league for sure, even if it's not with us. And then we did sign one player out of Alaska. Um, he was a really, really good North American Hockey League junior player. And colleges ultimately wasn't for him and his choice and his plans, but he did play two years at a good school in Oswego. And we're excited to have Colton Fletcher uh, come out of that camp into um, our main camp here in about two weeks. And that's the SUNYAC season that we just mentioned. They canceled their season entirely last year, so Colton Fletcher not getting a hockey season last season. You mentioned that you knew him from juniors. What did you like about his game back then? 
he reminds me a lot of a McVeigh and a team of fave in the sense where he, like McVeigh, he's going to be simple and he's going to do everything the right way. He's going to keep plugging. He's going to be durable. He's going to be reliable. All the things as a coach you love because you know what you're getting. Um, and then the other side of it is that kind of team of fave where people don't really know, but he can be a rat in a good way, cause uh, a lot of destruction against the other team, whether it's verbally, physically, he goes to the net. Um, he always takes the hard route. He plays in straight lines and uh, he can play power play or penalty kill and just a 200 foot guy, which is, is both Timo and uh, Bayer. For those that followed us on social media to keep up with all of the free agent camp festivities, you can see Fletcher, a couple of highlights on there. He seems very comfortable making plays in tight spaces, especially right around the crease. He is. He's one of those guys where I think he had 41 points, uh, 20 goals, and 21 assists in Aberdeen, which is a powerhouse program in the North American League with 100-plus penalty minutes. And any guy 5'11 or 6'175, right around that, that gets penalty minutes and gets points because it's tough to get that many points when you're in the penalty box that much. But when you're also in that the penalty box, a lot of teams fear you, and, and especially the smaller guys like him relative to not being a heavyweight, a guy with that many penalty minutes, you never know what's what's kind of going on in his head upstairs, and it, it uh, puts a fear in a lot of teammates that um, are going out and trying to do the same thing. And it's not just free agent camp. You've got training camp. You've got the preseason. You're constantly keeping tabs on guys during the regular season, especially the spring as the college season is wrapping up. What is the overall recruiting process like? Because you have all these different factors, there are times where you're going to tinker with the roster. You have to deal with call-ups. How, how do you plan and set up a prospects list or a recruiting hot board during the course of the entire year? Yeah, great question. At the end of the year, our first thing is who we had in our room and what players around the league are available and if we want any of those guys. So we did that with our 13 protected list players, and then you stay in contact with the guys that were unprotected in our room. So that was you know, 20 guys or 19 guys last year. So out of that, you know, 13 are we, we own, obviously, for the rights. Um, you move into May and June, and then the trickle starts away from that from your roster from those players. Some get camps, some go over to Europe, um, some to the American League, and then that roster usually goes down from say 18 or 19 that you think you could get back into June and July and August, and you realize how hard do I have to recruit on certain positions because we're getting hit by that. So for us, we had almost our entire decor um, be signed in the ECHL by June or July, at least off the record they were. So we knew we had to replace six or seven D. So instead of just focusing on forwards, that's what we did directly here. Um, filled that, lost a couple more. Filled that, lost a couple more. So you're re-recruiting that same position multiple times. Forwards is the same thing. We want to be a team that scores goals, plays relentless hockey. Um, we, we wanted Team of Fave back. We think he's going to be a huge um, second-year SPHL or third, third for his uh, time because he played making a few years back. And then the same thing with Bricado and McVeigh, and then Florent got a late ECHL camp. So just kind of building off of that familiar face in our leadership core. And then from there, you know, if the more size we have on the back end, we can get away with maybe um, smaller dynamic guys up front. If we don't have big guys on the back end, then we're going to need some more te team toughness like we had in Dwyer Chance and bringing in a bigger power forward. So we've done a balance of that and then normally we have two goalies but we wanted three um so we got three goalies in here so there's going to be a lot of competition at that 
I have no clue who's gonna take that starting net. It's up for grabs every single day and it's probably gonna be a work in progress through in uh, early November to mid-November. You mentioned Alex Carlson and Brady Florent, Carlson in Iowa, Florent in Wichita. Is there a timeline on where you expect to kind of know an answer, whether those guys are gonna stick in their respective ECHL camps or come back here? <laughs> Two different scenarios. I think Wolf Carlson directly, he, he could stay there all year because he's got size. He's in fantastic shape. Again, he came in great shape last year. He looked the part. He'll fight. He'll do a lot of things. Um, Carlson's a guy that could be in the coast all year. Um, maybe he is, maybe he's not. Florence a little different. I think if a lot of undersized forwards um, don't get a chance around the league and he's back here, it'll probably be sooner than later, maybe within the first couple of weeks. But again, with all this transfer portal and all these seniors locked up with so few players available, he, he's another guy that could get an opportunity just like he did in college, just like he's done here. He makes the most of his opportunities. He could be there um, a month. He could be there a day. He could be there all year. We do have three guys that came through this organization last season that are currently in the AHL. Noah Corson's in Chicago, uh, Jeremy Brodeur's in Providence, and Isaac Johnson's in Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah, three different, completely different players, all great guys, all great uh, young hockey players that are going to have bright futures. And, you know, the, the tough thing with a guy like Corson was, is, you know, that kid was just a heart and soul guy and loved to have him. That's why we brought him in. But at that time, <clears throat> we were short on a roster and some COVID and stuff. And we just needed guys that could be more simple and put the puck in the net and play 200 feet. And his was more kind of get the crowd involved and do a lot of other little things on the ice that we just didn't need at that time. Um, that was a tough situation. And then Broder obviously got called up after pitching a shutout and going one and oh, good for him. He signed in Providence. And then Isaac Johnson's another one. He, you know, what more can the, the young guy do? He had almost a point a game for two different teams in our league. We weren't sure if we needed defense or offense or what we were gonna do for playoffs, but Connor Fries came available um, in our leadership core, I asked them what they wanted to do there, and they were pretty adamant that they wanted to play more of a gritty style game. Um, it kind of didn't really turn out that way, obviously, in playoffs. Uh, you can second guess yourself, but Isaac's another guy. I mean, he, he has the, the skill level for sure to play in the National Hockey League. It's just going to be, is he going to get the opportunity? Is he going to do the right steps to be a pro to, to achieve that? How tough is that in this league when you bring in really talented guys like Jeremy Brodeur or Marley Quince or Tommy Kelly and they play great hockey for a very short period of time, they're called up and then we don't really see them again? Uh, I mean, it's like asking a football coach getting a five-star recruit and he leaves his sophomore year and makes $100 million in the next six years in pros. It's the same thing here. It's the same thing in the NHL. We don't want to pigeonhole and say we're the SPHL and it's a lower level, but if the reality of it is there's two more steps and then the NHL. And if guys are flourishing here, that that's what this is. It's not college where you're set on a roster and it is what it is. It's there's there's advanced levels. They've proven that they can do things and that they're wanted at that level. They need to go uh, prove themselves. It's totally different than them going and not still developing or getting put on the bench or just sitting there for a year or two, it's not gonna help with their confidence and what got them successful. So um, young guys and guys that have an opportunity, they need to always take those call-ups and at least see, even if it's not for the benefit of us or our fans. On the other side, we do try to, now that I know this league and I know a lot of different organizations at the higher levels, what they do and sitting guys, I will just make known to players, this is probably what's gonna happen. Um, don't be shocked when you're sitting in the stands. And uh, they come back and then they're like, 
hey, I can't believe I was sitting in the stands. I said, well, we just said that two weeks ago. So then they tell their teammates, and I think a lot of guys have self-regulated and, and kind of auto-checked themselves and other coaches to, to make sure they get a true opportunity. So, But those three guys, good for them. Um, I think they're going to all have bright futures and uh, hope they uh, do good things. You do have your captain, Stefan Brucato, coming back. In any league, in any team in hockey, but especially in the minor leagues, how important is it to have your captain back from one season to the next? I don't know if it's important to have your captain back. It's important to have the right captain, and Brew's the right captain. He's a guy that has, I don't even know if I've had a conversation with him in the room um, or him saying anything. He just just shuts his mouth and does everything right and then privately or around the rink obviously we talk or in the office but he's just a guy that does everything leading by example and I know in Detroit when they were uh, they won a cup with Tafsuk and Zetterberg that was kind of the the underlying thing too right there where it was just two guys that were the best players maybe in the world or top five at that time in their prime and they didn't talk about anything they just did it and that's what Brew does that's what McVeigh does that's what Florent does um, that's what Price does, all those guys. So a lot of our team, they follow those guys in and, and set the culture the right way. How motivated are the returning players after the way last season ended? <sighs> yeah, it's, you definitely have to ask them. Of course they're motivated. I think it's more of a shock. Like Our season was in three different tales. It was the first part where it was, I think we were three and five, don't quote me on that, but it was a situation of we lost 13 guys in in a week span what are you going to do it's we just were hanging on to compete then we got our roster we implemented a lot of things and we went on the run i think 68 days without a home loss 10 and 0 set a franchise record all those things and then it seemed with about three weeks to go in the season jacob benson's grandpa you know passes away unexpectedly he misses time bricado's playing with rib issues wah pulls his groin master breaks his hand Hefley gets called up to Indy. Rodebush goes to Tulsa. Never really was back to the way he wanted to be. And you know, it's the word excuse isn't there. It's just everything I just said. That's a lot of factors that go into the last three weeks. Um, do we still have the better team and the team to play and, and win a championship? Absolutely. But unfortunately, that's not the way it goes. Um, you know, and uh, with our league again, winning two games and then moving on, it's just it's not indicative of the whole hockey season, and that's that's where we really would have loved the best of seven series format for playoffs because we felt like we we clearly had the best team in hockey um, in our league last year, and unfortunately it didn't happen. But you know what, we're going to take a crack at it this year, and we're going to like our chances. What is the team identity going to be this year as you begin to formulate your roster? Yeah, great question. I think everyone can talk about an identity, but then if you get two heavyweights and they both get called up, you can't say you're a heavyweight anymore because you don't have heavyweights. And that's where people get, it, it's more habits. We want to be a team that does the habits the right way. So our penalty kill needs to be great. Sticking up for guys needs to be great. We need to have team toughness. Um, there might be a plan to win um, and score five goals a game like we did our first year. And we've done multiple times, um, you know, in the last four or five years. But at the end of the day, if all of our goal scorers are called up, we might have to win a defensive game. So all, if everything for us is about habits, doing things the right way within our culture. And if we do those things, then usually uh, success follows. I remember your first season here. You and I were doing a pregame interview. 
you, you, it was early in the season, you had won a bunch of games with scores like 6-5, 7-4, 6-3, a lot of high-scoring games, and you had said something along the lines of, we're not going to over-preach defense here because your philosophy centered around scoring, intensity, physicality, tempo, and it still very much does, but over the last year and a half, I feel like you and I have had a lot more conversations about goaltending and two-way hockey. How has your coaching philosophy changed over the last four years? Well, the first year that I came in, all I heard was how dry it was here the year before, and no one scored in Knoxville like the the Ice Bears, right? The organization dried up, the power play wasn't successful, um, still had a pretty good penalty kill, but it was just one of those things where the, the fans were getting restless of not seeing goals, and obviously there's team toughness and fights that they love as well, so that was a priority of come in and realize that we're going to score goals, and guys that score goals and get chances are confident they're going to play better and then you can talk them into doing defense if you just tell defense defense the whole time and a guy's not wired that way it's really hard for him to buy into that so once we establish a culture that we will score goals and we're never going to limit chances but there's a time that we got to play defense in, in the 200 foot game that has changed throughout the way um, I guess the last few years has gone so you know what? Obviously, everyone wants a three nothing shutout or five nothing shutout. But the reality is, is can we keep guys confident with that and then keep our goalies confident? The, the things that piss me off is when we're up four one and it's a minute left and we take a minute that last minute off or give up a fluky goal or something like that. And again, where does that go back to? Not doing the right habits, right? Um, so those are the things we're trying to focus on. Um, I would love to see the 7-2 to scores and all that right away at the start, but just winning in general and keeping our team confident and good habits is what we're trying to do. With the exception of the COVID cancellation year when we didn't have a President's Cup playoff, you have been to the semifinals every season that you've been in Knoxville. Why is this the year that that changes and what gets Knoxville over the hump? Um, you know what? I, I've done everything as a coach of, in my brain of only talking about winning a championship the first year. The second year that we lost two overtime games to go in, we never once said the word cup or championship. Um, last year, it was a little bit of a sprinkle in. I think the biggest thing I've learned is there are a lot of people in this league that make phone calls and I think get uh, get guys up at certain levels at the very end to try to bolster their roster and get guys back and maybe have other teams lose guys. Um, that's going to be a priority that I talk to players because the key guys, you've got to have talent to win in playoffs here. It's not just on heart and effort. It, you have to have talent. We felt like we had that talent was just banged up last year. So within about a month or two, I'm going to make it airtight and make sure that every single guy knows what our mission is, what we're trying to achieve and how we are. So we have to prop up right for four or five months. We got to have a successful year full of goals and fights and two-way hockey. Um, and then at that point, we got to be healthy going down the stretch run. Um, so I don't think it's going to be so much in my mind where it was always about the talk of the cup or not the cup. I think it's just going to be that last month. Keep the talent here to win a championship if you've been here instead of sitting the stands in the ECHL and stealing players away and uh, giving this city what they deserve in a championship, the fifth one, to lead uh, the league. A lot of good stuff here, Coach. And so I, I think that that'll pretty much wrap up the hockey talk. Uh, now, it is still football season. A lot of fans listening to this podcast are still Tennessee football fans. And uh, 
we actually dropped the puck to open our 20th season right before Tennessee takes on Ole Miss. But you're originally from Wisconsin, but you and I were talking at lunch last week, a lunch that you paid for, by the way. Uh, appreciate that. Shout out to El Chivo. Uh, that you, you've always been a Tennessee fan, even before you actually came here. So what's kind of the background with all of that? Well, I never liked any of the Florida teams ever. Um, and then, you know, in the Big Ten you know, when you're younger, it's not fun. You just, they run the ball 721 times a game and there's no even accordance of any passing going on. So uh, you basically, you watch the SEC and then you see these guys that are, you know, airing the ball out and some higher scores and stuff. And it's, I still think the Big Ten might be better, but um, but in all seriousness, it's just the SEC, right? It's the power, it's the number one conference in, in the country. So, you know, it was just easy of like what team in the late 90s and 2000s could compete and knock off. And then you see that atmosphere on TV and uh, Peerless Price, Al Wilson, Peyton, all those, T. Martin, those guys. And then even a couple years later. So I always rooted for them to beat the Florida teams. And I never really put two and two together that Tennessee and Florida was the the rivalry because Tennessee was so good that every team wanted to beat them as well. So um, I I love that rivalry that they have. And then obviously that in Georgia and just always rooted for Tennessee. And now living here, it's just easy, right? Right in your backyard. So after this past weekend, what, what was harder for you to watch, Tennessee losing to Florida or Wisconsin getting drubbed by Notre Dame? Well, Wisconsin, I'm not too excited about. What's they, going on with they, your Badgers? Like, well, they, they, did, they were allergic of scoring a touchdown or a field goal against Penn State three times, I think, inside the 30. Turned the TV off. I wrote them off um, that week. And then when Notre Dame uh, started scoring on them, I just, yeah, just put me out of my misery. I hope the Badgers lose the next five or six. So then next year, <laughs> if uh, we win eight or nine, it looks like we had to come back. I, don't, I still root for them. I love them, but tough, tough ones. They have such an easy schedule now after that. The first couple tough games. And I don't know, Joel, I have nothing to say about the Wisconsin Badgers. <laughs> Well, Jeff, we appreciate the time. I, I appreciate you conceding on our lunch bet from the first week of the season. Of course, everybody can look back on our social media channels to uh, get all the information on those picks from back then. That was, was that a tie? It was a tie that came down to the tiebreaker, which was which team is going to score the fastest in their respective game. You went with Miami. Who did you have? I had Ole Miss. No, I put you. I put the University of Old Mississippi. I think you didn't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you took Miami, which scored at the end of the first half. I took Ole Miss, who scored three minutes into their win over Louisville. But, Jeff, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Looking forward to getting year number 20 started in Knoxville. Sounds good. Thanks. Again, that's Jeff Carr, Ice Bears head coach. This has been the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast brought to you by Field Pass Hockey. Get in the game with Field Pass Hockey. Download their app on the App Store for Apple Podcasts or get it on Google Play, fieldpasshockey.com. They cover the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL. You can join their team by visiting their website. All of that information is available for you at fieldpasshockey.com. We appreciate them making this podcast possible. We'll be back again next week, same time, same place. Be sure to check out Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to download the official Knoxville Ice Bears Hockey Podcast.